Hello and welcome to the Stringer Podcast number seven. Seven is a special number for me. I have seven letters in my first name, my middle name, and my last name. I like the number seven. I like number seven so much that we have a very special guest for this week. It's Dwayne Watson, at Dwayne Watson on Twitter, at Dwayne Watson on Instagram. And he has such an interesting story. His life has taken him in so many different directions. He started as a writer. He went into the music industry. He has great stories about that and then head into sports. I don't want to give it all away. So before I spoil the whole thing, Kylie. Oh, hey. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Just looking at Edward's face on the computer screen. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording the opening in an edit suite in which we booted an editor out of. <laughs> We're trying something a little bit different, and Raheem Edwards, fullback for Toronto FC, is staring right at us. <laughs> kind of strange. Yep. All right. What do you got going on this, this weekend, weekend, Kylie? Since, Big uh, weekend ahead. Yeah, since Dwayne was in the music industry, I thought I'd uh, get some concerts going yeah, to start the Friday. Concerts. I love music. I, this is a band I told you to listen to a while ago. You probably haven't because you don't listen to me very often. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, start, I promise. Glorious Sons, they're from Kingston, Ontario. Ooh, a little a little yeah, Ontario local. Yeah, the, his voice, like the lead singer, his voice is amazing. Milky. So amazing. Oh. So that's at a Phoenix concert. I love Phoenix yeah. Concert Theater. We yeah. actually reference it in today's yeah. podcast, yeah. so listen for that. There you go. And then Saturday at the AGO, it's called Canzine, where all these independent artists who make, they're kind of like magazines, but they don't really want to call them magazines because okay. they don't yep. sell them publicly. Okay. So just all these artists coming together, doing workshops, talks, and it's free. AGO. AGO. Bringing out some wicked... It's on wicked fire lately, so go check it out. Wicked Saturday happenings for yep. you at the AGO. Sunday, Steam Whistle Yoga. I know you don't want to do yoga, but yoga's pretty good for you. Okay? Steam and it's whistle. at Steam Whistle. Steam Whistle Yoga. Yes. It's... Like you're burning <laughs> off everything that you did to yourself on Saturday yeah. night. So tickets are $15. 100% proceeds go to Ride to Concert Conquer Cancer. Oh, beautiful. And then you get 10% off brunch at Soko Kitchen and Bar. Are you so, yogi? Not really, not but really? like sometimes I really need to stretch. Maybe we'll I'm, check it out. Yeah, I'm bad at that. That so. can be our Sunday? Yeah. yeah. Be well, it can be your Sunday. I'm in Atlanta this Namaste Sunday. Namaste on Sunday. Namaste on <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Big weekend ahead for Kylie. Sounds exciting. I'm going to be in Atlanta for, I don't know, yeah. two nights. So, hey, if you're in Atlanta, you know a good spot to eat. Let me know. So, without further ado, we bring you episode seven Dwayne Watson, Kylie. Mm hmm. Cue that, sax. <laughs> It's no, it's you're like right over there. I'm in distillery. Yeah. So it's like 25 minutes. I walked a few times now, which is nice. Yeah. Like it oh, is can. basically a coffee. Like yeah. when I get myself a big coffee, by the time I get here, it is done. And then I walk up and I'm like bright eyed and bushy tailed. And you ready see to go. Uh, Kate Burness in distillery at all? Uh, do I see Kate Burness? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. Oh. Kate, let me think. Uh oh. No, 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 no. Bro, oh. I wasn't that. She was, it was like 2012, I think, when we first met, Kate and I, because, okay, 2012, Toronto Marley, this is how I like, 
the my whole timeline exactly is based on. on this one event and if it happened before or after it. 2012, Marlies went to uh, the Calder Cup, which is the AHL finals. Yeah. And everyone kind of piled on board right. because it's June. And in June, you know, Jays weren't where the Jays have yep. been the last couple of years. Raptor, uh, Raptors weren't. TFC Leafs had been done for yeah. ages. 2012 was like TFC's worst season to date. <laughs> And it's the first time Toronto ever experienced June hockey. That was the big selling line that everyone exactly. was using. And the Marlies had been selling out every single game, which was great for them. You know, you get yeah. 8,500 people in Rico. Right. And the atmosphere kind of blows up. And so that's where I met Kate. I'm almost positive. Okay. Our scrums went from me and the coach, because no one ever showed up, right. to so now like I'm being elbowed out by all, by all the, yeah. the cameras. But it was kind of neat for me, because we're all on a journey, right? Yeah. And I was early in my journey, exactly. looking to the people that I was like, okay, this is how they do this and this is how they prepare and th this is the angles they're taking right. and I would say that was the beginning for me of learning that a scrum isn't just question and answer a scrum is storytelling right. because you are trying to carve out your piece of the story with the questions you ask right. not just oh oh, you it's gave up a, a goal in the third period right. how did you rally the guys just to ask the question which people do which people, but sometimes people do early. I think some people do it to like build their story, but sometimes people just ask questions for the sake of asking questions. And they should. We do not need twelve minute scrums with a coach. No, seriously, well, ask your we shit. We need more cliches. Like, give me a break. <laughs> really? <laughs> what can you say about the Both guys tried hard. bonding together in that room? I hate it when the answer is already in the question. Oh, I where know. Where they're like, I hate that. It's like, why ask? The, yeah, when they don't lead the don't lead your don't answer. lead them. And I but was, that's but that goes back to people poor storytellers. Because they want that to be the answer they want right. to put into the block. It was a goalie that went on to play in the NHL for many years that <laughs> called me out on that and said... Butterfly style? Like, what was the style? <laughs> <laughs> he was butterfly. He was definitely butterfly. He worked in Toronto. He went. He progressed the Leafs right. in, in Toronto and then went off through the NHL. He had said very, very nicely, but he said, Clay, I was on the ice. I was the only guy on the ice for the full 60 minutes. Right. I know what happened. Just ask me about perspective. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a really good idea. But I had just been conditioned to lead them because in my head, I'm making it easier on them. Right. But really, he just wanted but to But sometimes be you have to lead them because you have to make it easier for them. Because sometimes the answer is so bad, you need more than just the three words. <laughs> you do. So you feel if I give you a bit more to go off of, you can yeah. give me something back, Or right? follow-up questions. I think yeah. the art of the follow-up in today's scrum age yeah. has been lost. Oh, for sure. And it's not always bad to just be like, oh, well, what about from this side or this perspective or yeah. this, you know, couple more words. And they're like, oh, now I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Now I get you. The other pet peeve I have, I think, are reporters who want to prove all the research they did with their question. Yeah. You know, when I compared the last nine games, I looked at your power play per yep. percentage or, you know, in basketball, I looked at the three-pointer. No, you're uh, right. It's like I did my research. Uh, listen to my stats. Listen to my stats. And everyone's asleep by the time the answer comes. I know. Number one rule we're always taught is you are not the story. Oh, agreed. But a lot of media members don't see that. And, they, and it's like they want to just kind of show off, right? Because that's their opportunity to kind of do that. It's like you doing your story, whatever it's written or video, whatever, I may not see it. But like now I'm in front of my peers. Hey, look at me. Bang, bang, bang. Do you think it's a social media age? Maybe that promoted that? Because now the, the, the reporters are now pseudo celebrities. Yeah. 100,000 followers. I look at some journalists and 
it's really funny because I started as a writer, so I was in scrums a lot. Me too. Go writers. <laughs> Go so, writers. But it's like um, a team of two. But what's funny is that some writers. I mean, I'm not trying to be like, oh, well, I played sports, I'm a jock, whatever. But some writers aren't from that vein. Like, they're writers. Or they are... I look at some people and I'm like, these are the guys in school who the athletes used to bully and pick on. Mm -hmm. And now they're back in this position where they kind of have the they're, power. They're bullying and, and picking on the athlete. Well, not necessarily that, but they're trying to like flex. It's like, hey, yeah. I'm just as cool as you are now. I see yeah. that sometimes. I think that's part of the digital age, too. Interesting, yeah. yeah. I think, damn, these cell phones and their power... What are we gonna do? Dwayne Watson oh. on the podcast. Hey. What's up, brother? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for coming. I was saying I had to call you, sorry, I had to call you Clayton for the first time probably ever the other day. I'm like, oh, I'm doing this podcast with I only, I only call you Chancellor. Like, Chancellor I only yeah. call you Chancellor. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, they might know Chancellor. I had to say you're actually that, see that's harkening back to my early days of being on camera and reporting. Right. Because it was my first gig with MLSE was your buddy Chancellor. Right. Like, meet me at the Marley's. It's your buddy Chancellor. And that was because, you know, Twitter was a new thing. It was right. 2009, 2010. Yep. Everyone's now being called by their handles. Monica Platek, who's now with CBC, was Monica with a K. Right. And there was Raptor Space Cat, was yep. our good friend Cat. Akil was always Akil Augustine. But I kind of like, I like Chancellor. Because Chancellor works because it's also like Chancellor. It's you know like the mean? Chancellor. That's why I like yeah. the name. It, and I actually wrecked your intro, by the way. Sorry. You didn't wreck my intro. My you intro. made my intro. Wow. You've made, I was saying to Kylie before you came <laughs> in, legit, I am so excited for Dwayne to be here. I don't feel like. Did you really say that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I said, you, I said, if anybody, he could blow me off because he does oh radio and he <laughs> wow. is a pr big producer and he's huge into the basketball Toronto scene and I'm nothing to him. And so the fact that you agreed to this, I'm going to fanboy for a second. It means a lot of Do you accept lot. check or PayPal, which you prefer? <laughs> In Racky Transfer. Oh, okay. Sponsored by Royal Bank. No. <laughs> no sponsors yet, but hey, we're waiting. We're open. Yeah, we're, we're open for business. Hey, no, honestly, I'm happy to be here. Like, I mean, I think this is, I love having a conversation. And we never get to do it enough, right? No, and they're always in snippets. I know. It's like, hey, how's your weekend? Bam, bam, bam. Okay, we got a meeting. You got to go. Or we like dip into it. Uh -huh. Like, especially when we're all working at the 307 Studios. Yeah. You had your, your producing room or your story room. And I dip in and I always found that it wasn't just hello. It was a solid seven minute conversation. Yeah. Which, as you said, could have been more. You were like the, the one that got away. It always could have been more, right. but I got whisked away and we're here by the changing tides and here we are in your new digs in my in my new digs Thanks it's uh i apologize to anyone if listening i know i would have brought a housewarming gift you are my housewarming gift wow i'd Is like to always this thick with the compliments <laughs> <laughs> like I'd, I'd like to point out okay one more for now uh sweets we're gonna get to how you got that okay, nickname because right. i have no idea okay Dwayne Watson wearing a Lego t-shirt. Yeah. It's actually a puffy Lego t-shirt. Oh my too, goodness. Oh. You can touch it. I'm not going to because okay. I have enough warrants out for my arrest <laughs> right now. I don't need another one. But way to throw it back in a way that no one does. Like everyone's going to wear their Captain Picard Star Trek t-shirt, but people aren't going to wear their Lego. Come on. Nowhere it originated, folks. Hey, man. Lego was like a big building block for me as a kid. Like, <laughs> no pun no, intended. Yeah. Actually, there was a pun intended. But I mean, like, you know, just creating and building whatever you want to do. And I think that kind of like, you know, I like shaped. Yeah, it helped shape me. Uh, I, w I too was a big Lego guy. And I remember I never got the cool kids I felt got the sets. Yeah. Where it was like, you can buy 
I'm gonna go back to Star Trek because I'm a Star Trek fan. But you could buy like the Star well, Trek. Enter- which which Star Trek are you? I'm wearing? a TNG guy, okay, good, Next good, Generation. Good, no good. That was really where I I caught on, and good. I kind of branched from there. Yeah. I couldn't get. I just wasn't. My family was in the situation where I get sets, but I get a lot of hand-me-down blocks, yep. and you just get your generic tins of yep. 800 random pieces or whatever. And I remember building. That was something I built at Star Trek Enterprise. And I was so proud of myself because I didn't need no set. I got it. I, it's well, in sets, my head. You know what? It's funny because sets are cool, but like it's just structure, right? I mean, like once you mm-hmm. build a set the first time, you break it apart and build whatever you want. I think my parents know I know. I still have my, I have like a Lego suitcase, which opens up and there's like a big tray and has a Lego thing on it. It's oh still my, my parents' house right now. But once you build the set, it's just a bunch of blocks. True. So there's no real advantage anymore, right? I think he was training kids to build IKEA furniture. That's why, right? It because didn't really help me you'd that get your, <laughs> you'd get you'd get your 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 little book. You get your set. You no, get your right, little though. book, and it's step by step how to build it. And then now I put together the Ernstberg. Oh my gosh! Unit. Is I, there any IKEA furniture in here? Uh, perhaps that, which also was gifted to me. The but you, supplies cabinet. Assembly was already done. Yeah, it was. Yeah, assembly was no assembly, assembly required. required. Actually, the desk we're working on right now. Had sat in my storage locker for I think three years. I kept the screws because I've learned through moving through my twenties. Always keep the screws. But I had no idea. It took me probably three times as long as it would (laughs) to put it together. I'm like, I thought this would be so easy, and literally it was just two metal legs and two pieces of wood. But it took me ninety minutes. Yeah, it was terrible. We have our strengths. (laughs) We have our strengths, man. It's okay. Where'd you grow up? You said that your Lego suitcase still at your parents' place. Uh, Markham. Markham. Yeah, I'll come oh, the represent. Like Markham. Steel. Represent. Yeah. 905. <laughs> Where votes? Where votes? Uh, Unionville. I went to Unionville High School for a year. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I used to work across the street at the plaza where the... No you know, frills and everything? Yeah, like yeah, I used to yeah. work at Best Buy when it used to be like a CD okay. store back then. But yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cool. See? I feel like, you know how you can get nationality to a country, you can get a passport if one of your parents was born there? My mom spent 15 years uh, living on 48, okay. which is Markham Road. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so there's my, I'm into Markham <laughs> crowd. We'll give, we'll give you a pass. Just because <laughs> we'll my mom lived there and she has her Markham passport. Yeah. I was in Scarborough like till I was four and then moved to Markham and like saw it all flourish and now Pacific Malls by my parents' house, which has changed the dynamic of the of, place. But, yeah, definitely. But um, yeah. Your parent, is it the same house that you lived in that your yeah. parents were in? Holy yeah. smoke. See, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is crazy. My, uh, Say my, I my want mom. Them to get out. My, you don't think they'll leave? No, I mean like you know you don't need to be cutting grass and shoveling snow anymore, right? right. Because you know so. But my mom's on an acre. My parents wow. bought a house on an acre lot when I was one. They had me. They lived in an apartment. Then they moved. Actually, crazy story. Their best friends lived in the house, okay. and their best friends divided the lot, which was two acres, right. built right next door, and sold my parents that house. And they so still, we, are they still in the house? No, the, the neighbors oh. aren't still there. But my my mom is still in our house. Thirty two years. I don't want to wow. date myself too much. Thirty two years. <laughs> but it's weird. Going home is now completely different for me than totally. it is for many of my friends. And you can probably relate in that yeah. way. Yeah, because it's the exact same house, exact same neighborhood. Yeah, like a lot of members still attached there because you go. It's like the same area, right? And it kind of messes me up every time my mom changes something. I'm like, yo. <laughs> This is not the color my room was when I moved out. How dare you? Still have stuff in the basement, though. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. I was told, I was given probably uh, four, three, four years ago, I was told to move it or lose it. 
That's fair. <laughs> she cut me off hard. My mom has some stuff. She tends to keep stuff around and like they got like lots of space, so it's okay. So yeah, <laughs> nothing super crazy. Um, sweets. Where did it come from? Where did I? I'd never. I haven't even asked you this ever in all of us knowing each other. That's just the reality. It's, I was just told, but it's first of all the greatest nickname because it's nice. People call me like asshole. That's not the greatest <laughs> nickname. Yeah. Sweets though. It's funny because um. Some people only know me as sweets. So <laughs> and like and someone is. saw like my wife and they're like, Yeah, you're sweets' wife, right? Like they can't even say, Hey, you know what you're You're Mrs. Watson. Yeah, and it's really funny. Um but yeah, I mean sweets I got it from I have a sweet tooth. Um, oh really? Yeah. That's a, just that. And you, you remember you know the two bite brownies? Yes. So when they first came out they're really one bite brownies, let's of be course, honest. Exactly. So when they first two came out, brownies. um I think We'd order food for office at, work, at lunch when they were, and then like I think it was I don't know what it was, but they they sold them with a, the, a pack of with, with it was switched out way or whatever yeah. I don't know whatever right, and um, they had the bag and I was eating them and mm-hmm. I basically knocked off a bag really quickly <laughs> and it's like dude what's wrong with you <laughs> and also because I'm a nice guy I think it worked because sweets but it was like this girl from New York was like why do they call you sweets are you some kind of a pimp or something I'm like no actually I'm just a nice guy but I'll take that and I like fur coats. Like, yeah, exa- exactly. You can't knock a for a coat on a cold winter I Canadian your money day. Since I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, you did that. We don't care if he'd be. We don't care if he'd be. That's not what you're supposed to do. You're applauding. You're, you're applauding. No, a, yeah, it's okay. Oh yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Shit. So growing growing up in Markham, yes, you got sweets. You wanted to be a writer, but I wasn't. I wasn't sweet. No. Oh, oh you, yeah, yeah. You weren't sweet no. until you're in the office. No, but place. I wasn't. Even, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a child psychologist. Like when I was younger, huh. um, that kind of—I don't know—it kind of fits in. I, guess I so. think I think it fits in on the whole storytelling thing, Possibly, yeah, definitely, right. because you want to you want to peel back the layers and yeah. you want you want to get down. And you understand the causes for why you are the way you are, not just you're great at throwing threes, but you know yeah. what I mean. There's layers there. I didn't know for a while what I wanted to do. Actually, you know, it's really funny. Even like in high school, I took a year off. I worked. Mm-hmm. Didn't know my parents were like you got to go to school. I'm like. I don't want to do. And I took a corporate communication course at Centennial mm-hmm. College, mm-hmm. which is really bullshit. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I did that for a year. It was a tier I was extending like, my adolescence. That's like, what I was actually yeah, doing. I'm like, this is not, this is not interesting. And then um, I ended up, I was at Centennial and they had like a radio station there and um, the school paper was there and this like punk kilt wearing skinhead guy was like the editor. And I'm like, at that point, like hip hop was really kind of merging as an art form, but people don't really know. But I'm like, hey, I want to do some reviews, whatever. And he's like, okay, cool. Um, here's a couple of CDs, uh, write a review and give it back to me like in a week. So I wrote the review uh, and I'm like, okay, here are the CDs. He's like, no, keep them. I'm like, what do you mean keep them? And he's like, no, like the record company sends them. And I'm like, it's someone's job to sit in an office and send people free CDs. That's kind of interesting. I've referred to a couple of guys who did a radio show and one guy was doing a production engineering course at this place called Harrison Institute for the Arts. And I'm like, you know, I've been a fan of music, but I never looked at it as an industry, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a recording arts management course, which had like, you know, publishing, uh, marketing, all these different things. I'm like, this seems interesting. So uh, I took the course and graduated in all these different facets of the music industry were at my disposal. Interned, worked retail in Markham, as I mentioned. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, then I, and, and so I kind of like, writing was kind of my entry point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I knew big, bad music industry, mm-hmm. cool guy, but how do you fit in, right? And I was like, I was the writer. So I was kind of in the mix. I was part of the industry, although I was like a on the fringe kind of thing. Then I started getting to working at record companies and it kind of wow. evolved from there. But then when I, once I got the label job, which happened pretty quickly, I stopped writing. 
That was because it. it's like yeah. I can't write work for a label and be writing and be and writing reviews. Yeah, yeah, it's like reviews. Whatever, it doesn't lie. make sense. Yeah, it's it's got, you got tinted glasses yeah, exactly. on the whole it's time. Like, yeah, sure. I love this, and if you, no one can see me except the two in the room with me, I was smiling ear to ear, and this is why, first of all, Almost Famous is probably one of my favorites, top five movies okay. of all time. Okay. Uh, if you haven't seen it, Kylie, have you seen it? No. Yeah, it no, always happens. Yes, Kylie, put it <laughs> on the list. I'm gonna create- I had an interesting conversation with a dude last night at a wedding, and he's like, you know, he wanted to see Fearless, mm-hmm. and it wasn't on Netflix, and it wasn't on, like, on demand. So how do you see a movie on iTunes or Spotify? Like music is there. If like I name a band, you can find it. It's there, you can watch it. But if it's not like, I want to watch The Matrix the other day, the first one, it's not on Netflix. How do I watch it? Unless I pirate it. Buy the DVD. No, you, are you yeah, not? But I mean, is that your thing? Uh, yeah, but what if you can't find, I what think, if you can't find the DVD? Like that's The Matrix, it's easier. Right. What if it's Very a, good point. you know what I mean? So it's just interesting that like for music, you know, the, the platform is built where like, you know, you can listen to it and you pay the royalty, but oh, for film, it's like right. you pay for the rights and you have it. So now where people aren't necessarily getting DVDs, how do you get stuff that you can't see? I imagine, and this is just me talking at my backside right now, but I imagine the reason why Netflix, for instance, I know that they don't have, in Canada, they don't have the Matrix. In the US, they do right. because I was just there and I watched the Matrix while Got I was it. there. This is literally something I went through recently. Right. I imagine they sell digital rights, right? Right. So I bet you it's like a crave, or I, I, right, I don't know exactly. all of them. Right. But that's a great point. If it's not on like the two major ones, yeah, I'm not subscribing to seven different exactly outlets, and then have to search each of them individually. Oh my goodness, you so just broke the industry. Someone needs to like build a platform it. where you could, you know, stream it and then pay a royalty. That way, you have access to everything. Imagine what we do for like Indian foreign films. I mean, like I'm not knocking Netflix's selection because they have stuff, but you know. You want to watch whatever you want to watch. Android oh. boxes. True. I just got one, actually. Did you? <laughs> and then, yeah. Okay, so explain. I am, well, we found it earlier today. I am technically d- not so great. just inhibited, impotent. I am technologically impotent. Android box. Basically, whatever you want to watch. It's, it's just like, like a bunch of streams. Yeah. So you go through all these different categories of movies you want to watch, and then it finds like a stream that has it on it. So it's like the internet. Have you like streamed sports before? Of course you have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course it's, I have. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same thing. Streaming sports is really funny because I put. Although off, it's illegal, we don't I, condone it. Yeah. <laughs> I worked at, well. I worked at a, for two different TV stations, right? Right. And so, and I worked a block from this TV station. And I wasn't getting home till 2 a.m. anyway. And I was like, I don't need, I don't need to see sports because I'm at work while it's happening and I watch it all the time. Right. And for whatever I couldn't get or I wasn't at work for, I had my one site. I had my stream site. It got shut down. And within two months I had, it was the NBA playoffs were, were starting up. Right. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't, I don't, I hate finding Stop a good patience. one. I know. To go through and like 17 ads pop up and it drives me freaking nuts. That's when I got cable again. And that was like three years ago. But you know what though? Like now it's like anything with technology, right? It's like rough in the beginning, but now it's getting a lot better, a lot smarter, right? So. Yeah. So the Android box is the king of streams. They have movies. They have like, so you can get so some they have streams, but then there's some where they just have like movies. Mm-hmm. Pretty much anything you can think of is there. TV shows, you name it. Yeah, TV shows. Oh, so for sports, it's got like Fox, ESPN, yeah. Sky, everything. Like all the different countries' networks oh are goodness. all available, so you can watch pretty much any sport you want to watch. Third year of college, I didn't have cable, so we just bought a Droid Box. Honestly, that's the new thing. People anything, don't get cable yeah. anymore. Like, why? No, but I mean, I think you want to be able <laughs> to choose. Because I'm old. Which, no, I agree with you. I'm old too, so I can relate, but it's like the ability to choose what you want to watch has changed the landscape of everything now, right? Like, look at YouTube. Does, music, much music. When I was growing up, 
you'd watch much music because you'd want to see the videos. Yeah, whatever. me too. All you the have time. to sit through videos you didn't want to see or whatever. Straight up, I used to, I remember this, I remember getting home from school, calling like my best friend yep. and sitting on the couch and we're both watching in our own homes much music yep. just to talk about the music video. While it was happening. That was, while it was happening. Yep. But in the moment is all we had, unless you VHS yeah, record, you which, and which you is watch, also a me thing. Exactly, also generational I totally thing. record stuff and audio things. recordings. But in the moment, your live viewing was just that moment like yeah. that was if you wanted to tape a movie I remember we'd find out in the TV guide you flip through and Back to the Future's on on Saturday yeah. and so you set your timer up that's like the genesis of on demand if you think about it really because you would tape it so you could watch yeah. when you want to watch you it, it. Watch being it. A, you know subject of Program. So my, my brain <laughs> with this Android box, we can see it, it, we is, can see it. it is blowing <laughs> up because the one thing that television traditional television cable providers network providers had was Sports and live news events. Right. But the droid box just killed that for him. Yeah. Just murdered it. Yeah. It's gone. Internet viewing is the thing. Do you have cable? Yeah. I, have cable. Ah, okay. I mean, well, but probably like <laughs> literally probably getting rid of it. Like, cause we just got the box. So I think it's like, this is the transitional period. We were like, yeah. okay, we don't need this anymore. Yeah. But I'm not a heavy TV, like news. I don't watch the news. I mean, yeah. I get my news from like going online. Yeah. I'm not a big traditional TV watcher. I watch shows, but when I watch, I binge. <laughs> I like, love binge gonna, watching. So basically, Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm not going to start a conversation. So, I, 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 I haven't seen the season. So, so I, it's okay. So what happened is, I kill Augustine. He's yeah. not on the show, of course. I watched the first season of Game of Thrones, right? But for the last like five years or so, I watched season one. I'm like, he'll start, I'm like don't talk about it. He goes, no. you have no <laughs> right. No, 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 no. You haven't watched since season one. It's season six now. You can't ask for no spoilers, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, this summer I watched seven <laughs> seasons in eight days. I binged like crazy. <laughs> That's binge to the next yeah. level. It was really good. There's not um, even a word for that. Yeah, so I don't do that. I don't have the luxury to do it all the time. That's but like I, a bender. Yeah, it was literally a bender. Like I was, and it was, yeah. So amazing, and so now you're all caught up. Yeah, and the, the irony is that and I'm not going to do any spoilers, but Thank you. I um, seen every season, season every season is ten episodes, mm -hmm. right? So I'm on episode eight, and I'm like, oh, it's getting good, and then it ends on eight, and I was like, what? So yeah. I kind of got duped because I thought I'd get two more episodes yeah. out of it. Shit. You know what did that to me was Akil actually, of course, Akil suggested it to me. House of Cards. Oh, yeah. I remember that he was like, dude, you totally have to see House of yeah, Cards. Yeah, no, this, we were still like two weeks out from when the first season had oh, been okay. released. Right. And he's like, dude, you totally have to watch House of Cards. It's incredible. And I don't know what had happened in my head, but I watched 10 episodes one day. I think the first season is 12. I watched 10 episodes one day. Right. I thought there was like six left or something <laughs> for the next day. And there's only two. And I'm like, the fuck is this? But that's why I don't watch shows when they happen. Right. Per, because you I want. hate waiting. I hate it. So like, because you did it, and then you had to wait like summer. Like yeah, now, I'm mad. I watch Game of Thrones. Cause I have to wait so long for, <laughs> for the, the next final year, year, which might be like but I, 2019. They're saying, but everyone's like, you only have to do that hard. once. I've had to do like every single year. Everyone's dying to wait for it to happen. So I think that is part and parcel with the change that television has taken. The Renaissance are calling yeah. of television right now. Where let's take Friends for instance, which wildly successful, or even like one of my all-time favorite TV shows was House. You did not need to see the entire season. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It would, they're so independent. Law yeah. & Order, one of the longest I'm, running I'm a big Law & Order fan. Love it. I yeah. love all the incarnations yeah. of it. I do not need to watch a In season succession. start to finish. And when I finish episode seven, I don't need to watch eight unless yeah. I've got shit all to do and no. then I'll put on eight yeah. if I want to just hang with Olivia Benson a little bit longer. <laughs> but the change in writing 
in television, everyone knows it. Yeah. TV shows are now 10-hour fucking movies, yep. and they are awesome movies, and that's where a lot of the money is right now. A report which was released about Game of Thrones for their final run, which I believe yeah. is six episodes. It's $15 million and it could per. be 20 I know. Per? But you look at it, and it's like, you can see why. Completely, but it's incredible. Yeah, because yeah, like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like six movies. We grew up in a time, like the 80s was a time when everyone in Hollywood looked so far down their noses at television. It was yeah. like, TV, what do you think I'm doing, selling McDonald's? Like, right. it was nowhere in the stress. Yeah, you had to be doing mo- movies was a big deal. Now, yeah, movies are great. But you get in for like four seasons on a fucking award-winning TV show, you're set. Your career, yeah, you need exactly. awards coming out your ass. Well, are you though? Because I mean, you are, mm-hmm. but do you get like pigeonholed? You know what I mean? Because I think you have to be either get the right roles or be a dynamic enough actor where people don't look at you and I'm not going to think, oh yeah, that's this guy from this TV show. Ooh, interesting. Because I can, I think I can come up with examples on both sides of the coin. Like Cranston is a good enough actor and he's done enough stuff where people don't look at him as Breaking Bad. Yep. But I kind of feel like, I'm not saying everyone does, but if, you know, especially when you're so committed to a character where you like really love or hate a character, like Cersei, you know, she's so good. It's like, if I see something else, am I going to see someone yeah. else? Or am I going to see it just in this? Let's see walk of shit. That's all you going to do? I like when my voice goes higher <laughs> as I ask questions to a register I never actually speak in. Michael C. Hall, who was in Dexter, the interesting thing about Michael C. Hall is he almost played a very similar character for like 13 years or no more than that 15 16 years because he was in six feet under which was insanely right. interesting and right. he was totally obsessed with death and then he transitions almost straight into dexter now i can't see michael c hall in anything where he's happy i just right. wouldn't buy it yep. someone's gonna die near him or around him right for me to understand You're him for it but true detective you look at anyone that they brought on board especially Matthew McConaughey, who was brilliant in the first season. I still, I love Colin Farrell, who's brilliant in the second season. Or you brought up Cranston, brilliant as well, which I think everyone still saw him as the dad off of uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm in the Middle, which his ability to flip was so quick because you're like, oh, you're the nice, wholesome dad, and now you sell me drugs. Right. You're talking about typecasting, though. Like, I mean, I think. Typecasting, yeah, ways it can go both ways for him. Sorry, no, no, you mentioned, you mentioned, um, True Detective, but mm. all those guys were established, though. True. As so everyone you see in there, you're not like they're they're playing a role. Jennifer Aniston, do you still see her as Rachel? I don't like Friends. Never been a fan. I just see her as like. But she's had a career but, but bigger. Agreed. Than I mean, just I guess so. But a like, million dollars in F and F. There's nothing she's done for me though. Like I mean, oh. is there, like, what has she done aside from Friends? That no, no, aside from making money. I mean, so I don't want to knock your I personal I don't, attachments I don't, I don't, and stuff, whatever. But I'm not a Friends fan. Actually, I'm just no, trying but, to use it as a reference okay, point. Cool. Jennifer Aniston, oh, you should never poke holes in the cheese of your guest. But Office Space, early 90s. I know. I it was cult it. classic. I know. I didn't see it, though. Sorry. Oh, I'll give it to you. I, that's my gift it's to a, you. It's a, oh, no, I, I get you I, heard, I know. I know. It's great. That's good, yeah. uh, Jennifer Aniston was in Office Space. The breakup she did with Vince Vaughn. It's not of of weight. And, I and that's the thing, I think, and I'm not knocking it because trust me, I watch like stuff like regular stuff that's too. That's all I swear. But I think <laughs> like regular I, stuff. You know, you got your smart people and you just got your regular people. No, because you need that stuff. But I think, I was looking at Johnny Depp as a guy who I thought could be like that actor of our generation. And then mm-hmm. I felt like he started taking a lot of the same roles. Like he was so totally Tim Burton, like mm-hmm. a little too much where I felt like, Okay, like let's do some. Years. Yeah, like let's do some other stuff where you could still be that guy. And now it's like he's he's a different guy. So. You ever see Benny and June? 
Yeah, I saw Benny uh, and June. That's, I think, yeah. my first introduction to oh, okay. uh, Johnny Depp. Not 21 Jump Street? And <laughs> not, not 21 Jump Street, no. Uh, I was, yeah, no. <laughs> Benny and June, I think, was my first introduction to Johnny Depp, and right. I would have been... That's J-O-O-N. 10, 11. Yeah, yeah J-O-O-N. Yeah. For anyone who wants to look it up. It's great. And it was right. And I, there's a handful of movies that I watched all that moment when you realized that this is something that someone thought about and wrote. It's not just two hours of film. Right. Right? That it is this bigger concept that took lots of people. And at that point, it became so genius to me. That movie, because of the story between two people that had various quirks to their personality. Right, right. I'll give that to them. And so the acting is great. I think the directing is great. The writing is unbelievable. And just the concept, the story, I was young and impressionable at the time being like, holy fuck, someone gets to do this. It was like your moment yeah. with music. <laughs> someone gets to make up these ideas and then watch them turn into reality. Reality, yeah. whether it's you call it a hit or not a hit, I don't know yeah. how it did it comes to financially. Like, yeah, you get to watch it at the end, which to me is the whole reason why I'm still chipping away at this big boulder. Is right. I just love that idea of thinking of something and being able to turn it into something, yeah, and executing it. So, you were with a major record label, a or few. A cu- a well, few? I was, I never burned bridges, so I started with Sony Music <laughs> and I was doing like more promotion and like. I was dealing with the DJs and radio stations and whatnot. And then uh, I evolved to marketing where basically I was responsible for like, what was my first record? I'm trying to remember. I don't think it was anything great. <laughs> It'll be like some massive album. He's like, no, I no, don't no, think no, it's no, anything no, no, great. No, no, no. And my first record was, I mean, like I can remember like, like one of the, fa- like I worked the last Rage Against Machine record, which oh. was kind of like a big deal because, well, we didn't know it was my last one at the time, but that was like one of my first non, like I worked like a lot of like black music hit because I, I knew all that stuff, right? So it's like we started doing other stuff and I got the Rage record and I'm like, they had been away for a while. And we did a, a private show at the Phoenix Theater, Phoenix Concert Theater. For, one of my favorite venues in Toronto. Right. Still so the seeing Phoenix. Rage in there was kind of crazy, right? And those guys were like super chill and super cool. Uh, number one record, yada, yada, yada. They broke up. Ooh. So- that was that was a big deal for me, but I think like um, so basically my responsibility was to like okay, when are they coming to town? What are they doing when they come to town? What advertising am I buying? What rate am I buying? I'll, you know, am I doing a five way contest to see them live in L A for Coachella or something like that? So basically, I was responsible for the project. Uh, and Crazy. I worked on a lot of cool stuff, a lot of fun projects, and I worked at Sony and EMI, and I kind of got bra- brought back to both sides. Mm-hmm. Allison Chain, Snoop Dogg, Lenny Kravitz. Katy Perry's first record, first couple records. Yeah, I like did a bunch of stuff, man. What did that industry unearth? What did you learn there about the industry that you're like, oh, this is, and I, I mean it in a positive way. I don't mean it in a negative yeah. way. When you kind of get to peek behind the curtain and see the wizard for who he is. It's, it's funny because when you're in it, you watch shows differently. Like you don't, I think it's kind of how we do sports, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you go to a concert, you're in the back in the corner with the other industry guys, like, just talking. You're not really watching the show. Right. And I remember one show, Ice Cube was performing at the warehouse. And my friend's a big <laughs> fan of Ice Cube. And yeah, we me said, too. And we said, fuck it. We're going to go. Can I swear? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, please do. <laughs> I was just yeah. I earned the explicit tag on this there goddamn go. podcast. We went to the front and pushed to the front and we were like, it's losing our no. minds. But you don't you don't do that because it kind of don't become a fan anymore, which is one of the things I was kind of happy to get out of because 
it's more like work. You're not saying, oh my God, this song's amazing. You get that, but yeah. it's like, okay, like how far is this song going to go? Is this good enough? What's right. the hit going to be? Where is that going to go? So you kind of, you take it and you ingest it differently. We have a big thing with meeting, meeting people we look up to or think or, or respect yeah. or appreciate. People are not as good. More often than not, they're not as great as you think they are. And meeting them in different environments differs. So I met Janet Jackson. It was, I wasn't working the record as a meet and greet after a show. Mm -hmm. So everyone came in, we had like a platinum record for her and it's like a line of people. And it's like, hey Janet, this is Clay. And she'd shake her hand, yeah. put her hand back in pocket. Hey, this is Dwayne. And then you noticed every time she'd keep putting her hand back in her pocket, like she was wiping her hand. And I was like, oh, that's not cool. Whatever, yeah. right? So whatever, that wasn't a big deal. It's like, hey, whatever. But then I was working her, another record with her, three days, third day, we're in the Windsor Arms. Uh, we're going upstairs to do like, I think we had to sign some stuff, whatever, right? It's me, her, and her bodyguard. And we're in the elevator and she taps him on the shoulder. So I'm on one side, she's on one side. Mm -hmm. And then he stands like between her and the corner. So she's behind him yeah. in and the you're corner. On and it's just the three of us. And it's like, I've worked with you for three days. <laughs> it's not like I'm, you know, I'm not a fan, I'm not a random person. And now you want your security guard to like be a buffer between us? Really? Yeah. Really? I don't need anything signed. I'm like, I'm not going to try to cause a wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, but then some people are like super amazingly. Like Lenny Kravis was like super, it was the launch of his record. And we like, he had a. Uh, Everyone from all different territories around the world came to his house in South Beach, and uh, he played the new record. And um, I don't smoke, not that I care. And he like yeah. he, he offered everyone something to smoke to kind of get in the mood. Whatever. Yeah. And then after the record was done, after we heard the record, he booked it like the hottest club in South Beach, and we all went to go chill. And basically, before so buses were going, he had a Kiss pinball machine yeah. in his studio, and me and him were playing and talking, just like regular, super amazingly cool, chill guy. I would imagine that part of it is not just you know whether they're pretentious or they think and i learned this in sports yeah when someone is closed down or or removed it's not necessarily because they want to be snarky it's that as we know with human beings yep. some of us are more adept and more willing to want to like get on everyone's level and chill out and talk and learn and meet minds and some of us don't enjoy those experiences the same way and they might make us nervous or they might make us question ourselves or question what we're saying and so you just end up naturally being yeah. more reserved and it's also the dynamic too because i mean like we weren't the first people she met at that meeting right. whatever so it's like you're just meeting a bunch of people bang 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 but i mean like if i've worked with an artist for a couple of days like you like, have a, some sort of rapport like, at that point Okay, I'm not this guy where I'm like name dropping and stuff, yeah. whatever. But I mean, like, I work with Destiny's Child when the first couple records came out and Beyonce, whatever. So if I say Beyonce right now, she'll be like, hey, what's up, Dwayne? Yeah. Right? I worked with them, like, for a few days where it's like you're just vibing with them and, like, you're eating with them and you're getting some of those people. So yeah. their guards are down, like you said, right? As opposed to, like, I'm meeting them for, like, all of seven minutes where they're not going to start, like, breaking down their life to me. So, yeah, the dynamics are totally different, but they're very similar in sports, though, too. Completely the same yeah. in sports, and that's what I've experienced. But oddly enough, I got my not my I want to say my second break, like my rate, my first break. I got uh, when I was eighteen. I wrote for a magazine article, and I was like over the moon. I'm right. like, that's it. I'm, I'm gonna good. have like ribbons and prizes handed to me by the time I'm 21. And he realized, no, I guess I wasn't that good, or it's just a very niche market. Right. Uh, but my first regular writing gig was for an indie music e-zine. Okay. Oh, and cool. so I would get a box in the mail right. with. 12 CDs and I'd have to write indie album reviews right. and I thought this was like 
Same as the, yeah. this is the shit yeah, exactly. I get, and I still have my CDs. They take up a lot of space. And, that's why they're in my parents' basement. Th- that's why <laughs> they're in my storage locker. Right. And I, I went searching for something else the other day, and I was going through my storage locker, and I opened up this box, and it is all the indie. Just the one box is all the indie albums I received, right. and there was some. Honestly, none of them were named right. artists. Right. They're all up and comers, which was kind of neat. But as I flip through, I'm like, no, there's some really fucking dope tracks on here that right. I really appreciated and really enjoyed. And I remember always trying to reach back out to them. Right. You always have to write the review. And where I worked, I didn't really get the chance to write that tough of a review. Right. Because they're working on their relationships with of course. labels exactly. and, and boutique exactly. you know, right. labels and stuff like that. But if it really stood out, I always made an effort to get in touch with them and be like, yo, yeah. you know, this track is really, really good. Right. I really felt like it really got me. Yeah. And and as it does in all of our industries, if someone takes a moment and says, hey, you know what? That one thing you did really stood out to of me. Course. You're kind of taken aback because everything's a piece of you. Yeah. We, we work in an industry, like even if you were to have a hundred writers and stylists and all this stuff, you're still putting yourself out there. It's yeah. a piece of you, and you appreciate that that little bit of support, yeah. even from someone you don't know. Oh, agreed. So there you go. Look, both writers both started writing album reviews. <laughs> That's funny. You're right. And it's- then you went and met Destiny's Child. I went <laughs> and landed an office job. I was working in finance, trying really? to figure out. I was. I took my parents. I love my parents to death. But their piece of advice when I was like 23 was, okay, enough fooling around. Yeah. It's time to get a serious job now. That was my dad. And so I worked in a finance department and I hated my life. Yeah. My dad was like, you got to get a real job. Like, what are you doing? And my mom was kind of like really encouraged me to follow what I wanted to do. Oh, and she would like fend him off. So it kind of worked out for me. So how did you, where did the transition happen where you got the out internet. of, because I've the only internet. known you in the sports side. The internet. Music industry has made, Oh, it was the industry. So I used that. to work at Sony when Celine Dion was like a monster, like hit over hit. She and we still were just is. Lo- right. So, <laughs> no, but like, it's like, oh, so when the album's coming out this year, oh, we're good for the year. Right. You know what I mean? And even at like Nickelback, which was amazing, which amazed me. I mean, I'm not going to diss Nickelback because it's too easy. But <laughs> like, everyone does it for us. so many records and it's like, Okay, they sold like 500,000 records in Canada. Like, who are these 30,000 people who just discovered Nickelback? Like, you just heard of them? Like, you had to buy the record? It's like their songs are everywhere. The industry made so much money and really old school and technology was really slow for them. I remember sitting in a meeting where there's a guy's like, there's this thing called Facebook and it's happening at the university level and they're like, and Napster happened and the digital age happened and they were like, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. And Every year they were cutting people, cutting yeah. people, cutting people. I'm like, this guy's been here for 30 years, family mortgage, no transferable skills. I'm getting tired. I can see where this is going. Give me a package. I took, I asked for a package yeah. and I was like, oh, I'm going to write. I'm going to be a brand age, brand marketing agent for players yep. and all this stuff. Yep. And, consultant, um, like an individual consultant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although like for doing basketball, although the only two players in the NBA at that time were like uh, Steve Nash and Jamal McGore. So yeah. it wasn't like now. Uh, and I was writing and I was freelancing, writing like a bunch of like everything because you went from six figures to yeah. nothing. Yeah. And I was like, we got a mortgage to pay. Yeah. So um, it was a grind. It was a hustle. But, you know, built back into doing like I was doing like everything. Like I was writing I mean, like, I could write, so it was cool, but I was right. doing stuff I didn't necessarily want to do until I got to a point where I was, like, kind of really focusing. I did a lot more sports stuff, and then basketball, and then NBA.com, and Slam, and then I kind of started really 
indoctrinate myself in the basketball community. Yeah. I mean, like, I was always in a ball, so it wasn't a big deal, obviously. <laughs> and um, It came naturally. Yeah, and then I ended up doing a radio show on TSN, a basketball radio show, a weekly show there, which led to the pre and post for the Raptors yeah. broadcast. And then, oddly enough, Akil Augustine's like, yo, I'm doing this show. When I do the show, I want you to be on it. It's called The Hangout. It's going to be like this. I'm like, sure, let me know what's up. Yeah. I knew, so the relationship I had with you probably, I, I never talked to Akil. It's so weird because we never talked. Like we knew each other were. Yeah. We never really, it's like, what's up? We never had conversation beyond that. So it was really weird. So I'm moving my stepdaughter to Winter, University of Winter. We're at a road stop and I post a picture on Facebook, like a road trip. And Akil comments in the picture, I'm looking for you, call me. <laughs> yeah, which I, is totally him. Because right. he yeah. probably lost his phone that had your phone well, number I call on Akil, it. I go, Akil, you have my email. You have my cell phone. Yeah. Like, dude. I know, I know. We're doing the first episode today, three hours from now. I really want you on it. I'm like, dude, it wasn't three hours, but it was basically super tight. Yeah. I'm like, I'll try and make it. He's like, listen, I have someone back up, but I really want you on. And that was like the first episode ever of The Hangouts so was me, Dan, Akil, and Dwayne Casey. I remember it. I, was, I, was, I watched the taping yeah, of it because so, I was really enthused what, what, uh, what this was going to be. So that was really fun. Uh, we did that. And I think they did like more episodes throughout the playoffs because it started in the playoffs that year and that was the end of it. Yeah. And then it was the first show of the regular season. He's like, yo, we're in the first show. I want you to come on. Cool. What time are we there? Okay, come for noon. <laughs> and I got there at noon. And me and Akil still didn't really talk that much, but like, you know, we're cool. Yep. The show didn't start until two. I didn't know that though. So I'm like, okay, what are you doing? So Kill's building packs, right? Highlight packs and stuff. And then I'm like, dude, you do. And then he's like, come up with a script. I'm like, you do all this stuff? He's like, yeah, it's me. I'm yeah. like, I know the game. I can come up with storylines. I know people. We can do guests and stuff, whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll help you out. And then that's how I kind of got into the hangout where I was this producer, although I'd never produced TV before. <laughs> and it was like the first, I don't know how many months, I wasn't even in the control room. I just used to sit out there and like tell Akil like what to do kind of thing yeah. or like, how to measure the conversation. And then it got in the control room and saw that whole side of it and like basically kind of learned through there. But so for me, a lot of my stuff that I was doing was not kind of like trial by fire where it's like I was writing, which, you know, pitching and hustling mm -hmm. and freelancing. And then the radio stuff, I'm not a radio guy like you say it, but like I was on the radio because I knew a lot of things happen oh, for see, me Oh, see, I my love life. listening to you in radio. Like I- You know what's funny I though? Totally I'm not a big radio fan. Guy. Really? And like, dude, I mumble like crazy. Like, let's keep it 100. She's oh. laughing because she knows. <laughs> Yo, because I'm not a radio guy. Like, so I never, I never went to school for radio. I never yeah. went to school for TV. You know, and I think even like how I got in the music industry where it's like, I understood this market. I understood this demo and I knew how to communicate them and, and work it. And this is the same thing with basketball, right? Yeah. And I have a passion for it, which is kind of how, it, that's how I got into the hangout. So a lot of stuff has happened for me because of that passion and, and sensibility. It wasn't necessarily by design. You used one of my favorite words passion and it's like i don't want to uh, no i don't want to like, you can i don't want to gush over the word, word passion, it's a powerful but word. it's an extremely powerful yeah. word when you use it properly because that's what i feel like you know when when i'm in whatever hour of my work day or whatever yeah. day straight of working yeah my body isn't running off caffeine and it's not running off the junk friggin food i've stuffed in it it's only running off that passion yeah. And I love being able to relate to someone who finds the exact same fuel. Yeah. Honestly, it's, I don't wake up and be like, oh, I have to work today. And I'm, no, but it's like, I know people who do. Sometimes I do. Yeah. The, well, I mean, the odd day. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I, honestly, I just want to, <laughs> I want to Netflix and chill myself. Oh no. Yeah. I know you, you want those, you want those breaks, but you're never like, oh no, man, I've got no, to no, go no. To, to BMO and do whatever. It's no. like. 
because it's like, you know, what's the challenge going to be that day? So I've been fortunate where like I, and I find like other things to kind of like play into that, that I do on the side that help kind of fuel that. So as, as you spoke about the turn that happened in the music industry, right. we kind of are seeing and have seen a turn in the print journalism oh, industry. Oh, what a question. But do you think that if everything else is taken away, if you lose the TV show and, and pre and post and all these things, at the core you're still a writer and you're still going to be okay? Yeah, I think so. But I think it's changed in the sense where like, I think how di- the print is done, I think even like long form isn't as big a deal anymore. Like people like their, their information shorter in shorter chunks. But now like producing on a TVN, like I kind of feel like it's still storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. So if Completely. I can tell, so, it's, so it still allows me to do that. And I think what, between the fact that I'm more busy, but I don't have time to write, I think that's kind of not transitioned into it, but like mm-hmm. I still would want to write, but this is definitely transitioned to like being able to still tell stories. I think I could completely, everything yeah, is storytelling. Yeah, and, and when at, yeah. at your core, if you can tell a story, you can find it doing different. A mediums. median is just yeah. a median. Exactly. I could do it with painted pictures if exactly. I knew how to paint or stick pictures, but we're still pictures. Exactly. I was a photographer before I ever got into See? film and video and television. I think though that writing is in the spot that video was in in 2007, 2008. I think it was 2004-ish. She's not giving me the answer. That YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> no some, sometimes she does. Um, I'm like, Kylie, bail me out. I'm about to look stupid. YouTube came out. Right. Right. And then in the following, and television was already starting to die, but it really didn't have the content there. And I think even film in the late 2000s were, like we were kind of seeing an industry lull, and everyone thought short form, short form, short form, short form, short form, short form. Everything's getting shorter. And I think we're still living off the tales of that, where there's still some people who've been in the industry who haven't really kept up, that don't see the value in long form stuff right now, right. right? Why are all the good television shows going to an hour? Because you need the breath yeah. to tell to tell that story. Yep. And I think we can deliver news in 300 words or in 140 characters, but you can't tell a story in it. And I, I believe that we will see in the, the, just my belief in, hey man, you can wait five years and tell me I'm wrong. I don't care, you've been listening for five years, that's awesome. But I think we will see the resurgence of of long form written. Yeah, not I agree. like, but yeah, novels, all of that in written form. Well, the question gone is, down. how well can you tell a story in that time? Like, you know, you can Completely. say you can do three minutes or three hours. How well can you tell the story? And I mean, Game of Thrones. I haven't read the books because it seems daunting. But like, you watch I mean, the show and it's like, this is so well written. This is yeah. so great. And you know, you can get way more depth and texture to these characters and the stories if you're reading the book. So completely, you know, it's like it's it's all relative, right? And that's, but that's the joy of us kind of like floating around as these little meat sacks that I can decide that, hey, Game of Thrones is what I want to deep dive on. And you can decide that, hey, it's... Friends. uh, It's friends. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see the the Dre four-part HBO docuseries? Oh my God. Um, The Uh, one with Jimmy Iovine? Yeah, Jimmy Iovine. Yeah. um, The Defiant Ones. Defiant Ones. Really well done. You liked it? Really well done. What was interesting about it and I kind of wondered at the beginning of the first episode, and then I'm like, yep, at the end of the fourth one, it's a four-hour Apple commercial. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, again, here's the brilliance in all of it. Don't just make an Apple commercial because you can get paid to make an Apple commercial. Tell the best friggin' story that you have in you. Yeah. And a story everyone wants to hear, 
and yeah, we all have to monetize at a certain point in order to get, you know, yeah. to keep our lights on of our million dollar, multi-million dollar mansion. But I was, I was okay with it because you treated me now to all this incredible yeah. stuff. You sat down with Eminem and I get to hear him like hate being on camera, which was awesome. Yeah. And even like funny thing, even I took out of that too, is that I watched the NWA movie straight out Compton. And it's like, there were stories in the movie that were told in this documentary. And I mean, by virtue of being a documentary, you got to think, well, the documentary is true, but it's like how, how, well, they were telling a story on how, um, fuck the police came to be. Mm. And it was different than in the movie because in was. the movie, it's like they're in front of the place and you write yeah. it. And so it's like, there were stories in it, right? Yeah. So it's like, you get all these stories, like you said. So at the end, it's like, okay, well, I don't feel like I've been hoodwinked as much because I actually got something out of it. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I think I heard during like right around the premiere of NWA, uh, of uh, Straight Outta Compton, which is, again, very high on my list of movies. It was unbelievable yeah, it was what good. they did. I heard that they actually had to, like, Hollywood the, Take, the right. uh, fuck the police story, which was cool when I got to see the other half of it. Right. It's like reading the liner notes or something. Yeah. Like, I had to dive in a little bit deeper, exactly. seeing Dre's side. But the one big parallel that I thought of, and which were very close, was the death of Dre's brother. Right. Uh, and, and those two stories were... Like he was, you know, Dre was out on the road and they were in Florida and yeah. his brother wanted to come out and it didn't work. And they're on the bus when he found out and they stopped the bus and there was yeah. all that whole breakdown and he didn't know what he was going to do next. Yeah. And I thought there's so many powerful stories in that. And there's stuff that they, like Dre's son died like a few years ago too. Like there's like a lot of like oh. weird things, not weird things, but a lot of so many more different places they could have went with that. But I mean, I thought it was well done. Dre's an interesting dude. I, I kind of respect the fact that he's a perfectionist even though I just want more out of him <laughs> I know right but I kind of respect like and I, I see that I relate to that part especially when you're not worried about getting paid well I think that's the thing I think if we had that ability we had that freedom that he has we would probably be like that where for us we're married to stuff like you're making something that's like oh, I just want to like fix this, but you can't because it's got to be There's delivered. a deadline. There's a deadline. But if you had all that money in the world where you can yeah. do whatever you want, you'd probably be totally fine-tuning and fixing and pruning, yeah. right? So that flexibility affords them that kind of freedom. That's why I think it's actually kind of cool. I've always wanted to remaster old stuff that I did. Right. As even though it fucked up George Lucas, but you know what? I ain't George <laughs> Lucas. I'm not adding some weird aliens, but... So Star, so Star Trek over Star Wars? Oh, that's a good question. Well, you said you're a Trekkie, so I'm trying to... But I'm also... Okay, so Star Trek held... They were very different things for me. I never watched the Star Trek movies until way later After, in life. Right, because... It was it. a TV show to me. Right. Right, it was something that I watched in my living room. And you got on a Next Generation, so Next, all the other stuff wasn't even... Exactly. There yet. wasn't... It had been six years or whatever, or not six years, oh, wow. but it had been a while since there was a movie. Right. I got on TNG. It was a show that I watched in my living room. And I, I consumed it that way. And even with, it wasn't until the J.J. Abrams recent st right. Star Trek release movies that I've even liked a Star Trek movie. Right. With no disrespect, I've watched them. I've watched them all recently too, the Star Trek movies. Right. But I don't connect to them at all the same way that I connected the TV shows. Right. Star Wars was, I remember watching, the first time I watched it was in my best friend's living room. Uh, they, it was called the green room. It was like their proper sitting room. Right. But the first time I watched Star Wars was sitting in their living room and I remember talking of how they created a lightsaber for film. And that was, I knew it was film. Like I right. just knew it was something different. And then 
they re-released in theaters episodes four, five, six, and I went to all of them, and like half the crowd was dressed up, and then you, the opening scroll, everyone would stand up and applaud it. Right. That's an event. That's like seeing a concert or being in a theater and seeing a play or a musical. And then one, two, three came out, saw them all, yeah. if not opening night, right around opening right. night. Everyone was dressed up at that point, right. except I didn't dress up. Yeah. I would tell you if I did. I would show you pictures if I did. I wish I did now if I could go back. I just didn't have like the confidence to dress up in Star Wars gear. Uh, So yeah, I think that's where I, I can't put one over the other just because they hold different spots. It's like favorite songs. Like if we take a band, like with Santa Booth, for example, I mean, I can't, like your song is situational. Your song is a period. Your song is like where you were at that time what your life was saying at that time. Completely. Right? So it's like Rolling Stones, whatever. It's like, how do you like that song? It's like, it's, it's, it's you. Like, how yeah. it connects with you, right? And for me, like Star Wars, I'm older. So like I, my mom took me to see the first one in the theater, right? Hot and damn. I grew up with the first trilogy yeah. and then like had the action figures and all that stuff. So by the time that, that next one, two, and three came out, I'm like, huh. you know, yeah, right? So yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is like, it hits everyone differently, right? It's the one that hits you, so. Exactly, it's what age There's never a wrong answer. No. Although people will still admonish you for... I don't know. The wrong answer to me is when you don't like one or the other. When someone's like, fuck Star Wars, I like Star Trek. I'm like, open your brain, dude. They're both space operas. Or fuck both of them. Fuck those people. I know. Who are they? Come on. It's like two of the largest franchises in the world. You're going to say you hate both? What are they into then? Can't speak Sports? Do you like like sci-fi? I have not watched Star Trek or Star Wars. See, here we go. (laughs) Just never... See, but that's... See, because... How old are you? Not... 22. Yeah, so see, for it's like there's no, what's the big connecting point, right? Very good point. It would really it have to be now, and now you're already the like it's just another movie. Like if she sees the Force Awakens, it's like just one another movie for you. It's not like I'm not big. really into like sci-fi. Anyway, see, well, so. there, I know you, yeah. we found them. We found that person. <laughs> what are you into, by the way? I like sports. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I like those girly movies. Don't get me wrong. Like what? Hey, which ones? We can totally talk. I can talk girly Bridesmaids, movies all day long. Let's go. Bridesmaids is hilarious. Is that really girly though? That's, okay, Notebook. That's like a hardcore Whoa, notebook. like Notebook. Notebook. Notebook solid. I like it's Notebook. Really. Hitch. I think rom com <laughs> is my. I've seen it like I'm just fifty plus times right now. <laughs> no, sweet sweets uh, ain't got nothing. No, I'm not. I mean, like, so they're doing a remake of this movie. It's called Intouchables. It's a French movie. It's Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart. I have no idea what's Kevin like, Hart, but it's like it's a French film. It's like really, really, really good. Basically, um, this guy is like this round the way. He's not a hoodlum guy, but he's just like a round the way Montreal uh, Parisian guy, and he has to look after this like rich guy. Hmm. And um, wait, like, which one's which? Do you know? Kevin Hart's obviously the hood guy, right? <laughs> but um, it's like it's like really, really that. touching, really like different people and vibing and yeah. stuff. Whatever. Look for Two Shabla, but it's probably on Netflix that we talked about earlier and all that stuff. But it's really, really good. But I, I mean, I'm more like Apple. I don't do like romance iTunes. so much. I don't know. No? I'm trying to think of like a movie that there's a love story that I could really mess with. But. I always thought, oddly enough, that the first film I ever do will be a rom-com. And I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know why. It's just, I, I think I, oh, this is a bold prediction. I think I get the genre. Not in a, oh, it's so simple, it's beneath me. But I connect with the emotional beats that it takes you along, along the way and I can identify them. And I think I can adapt a story to hit those beats. And I think everyone can. That's a, that's why there's it happened because everyone can relate to like those kind of story films, right? As opposed to like Star Wars, it's like right. I've oh, never yeah. been to space. Yeah, and it's like, I don't have a lightsaber. I didn't grow up in a period where that was like the be all and end all. As opposed to everyone's been a love or had these kind of situations or dating and stuff. So. What I love about film, though, is its ability to 
depict where we're at as society at the time. We look at, so Star Wars came out in the late 70s. Right. And we are in the depths of the Cold War at the time, right? We are, there's been kind of like a resurgence of free speech in America, but we're not that far off. We're less than a decade, or about a decade away from the stock market crash that happens. So stability is still a big thing. And so you see brains reaching out to explore, right? And right. so you get these space movies, and that's what Star Wars' ability to even connect at that time was unbelievable. Of course. And it did. And, and But it's just, it's, I don't want to call it lightning in a bottle, but it becomes an expression of what one individual was feeling during that time in America and it being recognized, I think, by the masses. And film, as you kind of chunk along and you look, they always seem to come out in like fours. You get four movies about this and then four yeah. movies about that. Yeah. But it really speaks to the fears that we have. Even like I remember... Oh, Harrison Ford connection. Was it was he on Air Force One? Was that the he played a president in one of the movies? But it was this this homeland security scare that happened in the mid and late nineties. Yep. And you got a whole whack Water almost of like, yeah. A whole whack of these movies where the president was in danger and he had to get himself ready and gear up and lead the country and even Independence Day, as crazy as that sounds, yeah. the president leads the fighters into battle. How was 9-11 for you? How was 9-11 for me? Where were you 9-11? Where was, I was in, um, I was grade 12. Uh, so my final year of high school. And I was sitting in math class when it was announced. Right. And crazy deep subject, actually. It's crazy to go back. I don't often think of the day, but it was announced when the first tower was struck. Right. And popular belief at the time was that it was an error. Like they're like at the time in the moment, no one really thought there was some master plan going on right. here. And then what? Twenty one minutes later, it was announced that uh, the second tower was struck. So you guys were you guys didn't see it? Though. You guys were in class. We didn't we didn't see it happen. Right, you saw it. But we were told as soon as the second one struck that we could choose to uh, meet in the cafeteria or go home. Uh, whatever is up to us. So I went to the cafeteria and I saw both the towers fall Easy. live, which. What are you, grade 12, you're 17, 18 years old, something like that. Uh, death live on TV is still not a thing I'm cool with. And that whole, that it's crazy that you bring it up because it took me to a completely different space. But uh, that day was chilling. What about you? I was working, but I was, wasn't was at work yet because music industry, you don't have to get in early. And first tower got hit and we're like, what the hell is going on? Like three with my friends. And then we saw the next tower get hit. And our office was right by the airport. So we're like, what's something gonna happen? Like, yeah. what's gonna happen here? And like, no one went to work. But it was my friend of mine, he was in New York for, he worked in New York, and he was in New York for a show. And he was on the tarmac in Newark. I, uh, there's a Robert Pattinson movie, crazy, talking about love stories. And, and there's a point here. Okay. I promise we'll there's bear, a connection. We'll bear with you. <laughs> There's a Robert Pattinson movie and the name escapes me and it's kind of his story and he's kind of different from his father because he's more artsy and his father's mm -hmm. more business-like. He goes through this love story with whoever and he winds up back at the tower. you have the name, Remember Kyle? Remember Me? Remember Me. That's exactly what it is. And the crazy thing is the dad's out trying to be like a dad for the first time right. and the son's in his dad's office trying to like make good oh, wow. and it ends up it pulls out and it's Holy cow, really? yeah and 
the reason why I bring it up, it's first of all, it's a great film, and oh. he came off the Twilight movies, which is not in my genre at right. all. And he did this film, but it made me really think of perspective and how that's one of those um, fusing moments in our North American history that's, where you can ask me like you did, where were you? That's the, that's our that's our Kennedy of our generation. Yeah, you know completely. What I mean? like, where were you when it happened? Because like it was such a big galvanizing moment. And none of us, galvanizing, that was the word I was looking yeah. for. None of us will forget, but it's a way that we can relate. And I think at a time right now where the biggest struggles, especially it seems in the States, is people's ability to relate to each other. Simple things like that exercise makes us realize that, oh, you were there. Yeah. I was here. Yeah. I can see it from your perspective. You can see it from mine. Where were you? You were here. Or you've heard numbers of stories from friends or people in similar situations that you could probably relate to or, you know what I mean? So it's interesting. Sharing perspective and, and just getting a viewpoint, you know, through someone else's eyes and, and trying to expand our own understanding, our own learning past the end of our nose. And that to me is the power of storytelling, you know, and, and not that this whole exercise was meant to bring us back to right. the industry we're in, but if you can help someone see something they've never seen before or experience something in a way yep. that they never would have experienced without your help and it motivates them to change, man, that's the most powerful tool we have right of now. Course. It's of more course. powerful than Twitter. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an ideal, of course. But if you get it, it's like, yes. Did you I mean? see Detroit? No, the I didn't film? see Detroit. I didn't see it. No, I heard about it. I it's, had... it's interesting. What, what are your thoughts? No, 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 no. go ahead. It's interesting because of the way they fused news footage right, right. With, with the story. With, with the these very cinematic, you know, uh, scripted traditional scenes. But it's one of those, I didn't even know. Here I am, foolish Clayton, born in 84, still should have known this stuff. I didn't even know about the race riots of Detroit. Right. And to what viewpoint it was sensationalized, uh, or to what point it was sensationalized, I don't know. Right. But still, I find it incredible that I just miss, I gap out because I don't know and I was able to learn something from that. So playing off of your I didn't know and my hesitation when you asked me about Detroit, it's um, Hidden Figures, a movie with a black woman who were helping NASA with the... Right. I was mind boggled at the fact that like I'd never heard of the story before and not that I'm a black historian or anything like that but I know enough people where it's like how come no one knows, like no one knows about this movie until it was happening, like the movie was happening. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, Black History Month, there's so many different stories, some people have done stuff, like you kind of like as a black person, you know like who did this, who did what. Right. And I'm like, how come I'm like, I've never heard of this before? And I thought it was great, but I was like, okay, not to make, it's, I just found it interesting that like, you know, you have white people in Hollywood telling mm -hmm. the story about these black people who helped NASA. And I was like, how come I never heard of this? And then so what happened, I'd heard some people who were predisposed to Detroit because there was more white people telling a black story. I'm not saying that white people of right. other ethnicities can't tell a story, but there's... I'm not but I'm not going to try to explain childbirth right, to you exactly. as a so, guy. So I think there's... Exactly, right? So I think there's things that, you know, not that it's got to be more deep and heavy, but there's certain things that, you know, and even like with Hidden Figures, I heard there was some license in terms of some things that happened mm. because it's Hollywood. Mm -hmm. It's a movie, right? right? I don't know. The, I haven't seen... I know about the Detroit story. I didn't see the film. But um, speaking of like not knowing, like that, her film can allow you to inform and educate. Mm -hmm. Even if, like, so it's like, you know what? I may not take that Detroit movie's gospel, but let me look into what really happened. Like, how, how real was it? That's why I'm, I love docs. Did you, uh, this is not a doc, did you see Get Out? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I have not seen, yeah. I haven't seen Get Out, and there's no reason why I haven't seen it. Um, my wife's seen it like three times. Everyone I know loves it. Um, 
I, there's no real reason why I haven't seen it, what, but I haven't seen it. What I like, and I'm, okay, so there's no spoilers. I'm not going to okay. tell you how it ends. You can probably guess it's in the title, but Jordan Peele did so well in the movie, right. which was acknowledged. I can't speak to this, but was acknowledged yeah. by the community is that just as you said, there's a lot of people of one race speaking about what the person in the other race is going through. Right. He and there's no real racism you'd say in the movie, right. but he kind of presents these awkward social settings. Yeah, I've heard about that. In which just occur. that are accurate that you may not necessarily pick up on, but yeah. And it was incredible for me watching it, being like, and I can't say that I, you know, I see you and I try to strike up a conversation right. about, oh, Michael Jordan was my favorite basketball player That's too, a lot, dude. You'd be surprised. But anyways, I believe it because you because you, you were able to. I watched this story, right? told through the filter or told through the mind and the voice of someone who's lived that life. Right. And if he chose to make that the focal point, not someone, you know, yelling some racial slur at him from down the road or some cop, you know, trying to press, you know, his authority on him. If that's how he chose to describe racism and and difference, then you give it credit. Yeah. Right. And I think those are those subtleties that you were speaking yeah. to that you would like to see in. And in, that's in that's other why films. I really like the movie because the brilliance of how he did it. It wasn't the obvious like oh getting pulled over or whatever. It's yeah. like because you know what you're desensitized to that. You know oh a cop pulling over something's gonna happen right. But it's like oh I didn't really. Yeah. Ca- it's like think in- intricacies this, of it all. Yeah. Right? The subtleties. Wait till the Asians get start making North American Asians get start making movies in Hollywood. Because they are like the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> and it's like, hey, let's cast this Asian character as a white person <laughs> or a black person or whatever. Or, you know, sometimes Portuguese or something. I know. It's Hollywood's an interesting place. It's a very interesting but, place. But I mean, it's not only Hollywood now. I mean, like, I think the digital age has totally made it so filmmakers Everyone can do tell their stories. Hey, man, that's pretty much how I got a job, yeah. right? It's the affordable equipment, exactly. accessibility to it all. Yeah. I, I'm very thankful for the. The, the revolution, the evolution of the industry. I do believe, though, in all things, and we think of citizen journalists, and I say that with air quotes, there's something to someone who is qualified, and I don't know what that qualification is to tell certain stories, and people who just spout. And unfortunately, the people who spout, like, why is everything an outrage now? People are outraged that... Like one percent milk these, is yeah. is not available in there. Like, what is outrage now? So there needs to be a certain, and I don't know what that is. And I, I believe I it's like the cream rises. Of a voice, though, right? I mean, as opposed to like, it's, it was an office core before, right? You're yeah. seeing the office core talking, and someone's outraged. Now it's like you go online, you go on Reddit, you go on Facebook. People, you're all, you're, you have more of a platform to see all this outrage. I don't know if I've ever been outraged in my whole life. I, Honestly, yeah, like, I think people who are outraged tend to be outraged more often than not. <laughs> or I, just, I feel like they just don't know what outrage actually is. Yeah. So I, it's right. like I outra- I'm outraged that I stub my toe on the corner of my bed. And no, my toe's sore and I feel kind of silly, but I'm not really outraged. Yeah. You see that Vegas shit, man? I don't know what bigger cry for reform in, I, I'm I'm very much an anti-gun person. Right. That's just my stand. And you know what? I appreciate a lot show. of things. You, you, very true. Yeah. God damn it. This is what I want. <laughs> I appreciate people who hunt because a lot of my family is from way up north. And I completely appreciate people who hunt. 100%. Hey, I don't, I don't shit on myself for catching a fish on a hook. Right? Completely appreciate people who hunt. Right. 
I even appreciate, and I was helped to understand this, the right to bear arms, because at the core of it, it was to not allow the government to oppress and overpower the people. The people can always rise up. I appreciate that at its core. The fuck are you doing with these weapons that are powerful enough to cause this kind of damage and it it's in circulation well, and I'm not an expert. Let's back up and I'm not trying to make this the conversation so feel free to jump out when you need to but it's the level of weapons like you said hunting is cool. Right. You, you need an automatic rifle to hunt animals. No. Right. So why are these weapons why is a weapon like that available at Walmart or wherever you can or find guns are sold? You know what I mean? Like that's what I understand like the level of power of some of these the weapons that are available to like regular people especially in the U.S. It's not necessary because why are you only bad can happen out of someone with a semi-automatic rifle, period. Uh, Where the NRA uh, subscription or whatever you call it has benefited from, it's the same area that we talked about that Hollywood sells and the news sells is fear. And I would say from a third party, you know, foreign bystander that I see an event like this and I say, well, you guys better start chucking your guns in the ocean because this is what's going to result. But with fear on their side and the availability of arms, people, I can imagine, will say, I have to go buy myself something. Stocks have already gone up already. And not because of that specifically. I mean, well, I can't even say, but also because if I'm an NRA, NRA guy, my fear is that guns might not be available. So let me get more because right. if they pull them away, which still doesn't bode well. It's backwards fucking logic. But it's seriously, I don't, you know what, if I have whatever, if I have a pebble in my shoe that's causing me pain every time I walk, I don't get more pebbles in my feet to even it out. I shake the fucking rock out. That's a terrible analogy. But no, I'm sticking it's, actually, with it. it's actually not because you're right. You eliminate it. You don't get more. You, don't, you eliminate the problem. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's been over the last, I'd say three years, a lot of talk from people from Australia because they went through that mass shooting oh early 90s I'm going to say it is and they completely tightened up their gun laws removed weapons from a lot of licensed carriers and they saw gun violence plummet yeah it's a shame I this podcast you know it's not it well it's not going out you know, we were recording this right after the tragedy in Las Vegas happened. Right. You're not going to be listening to this for a couple of weeks. So in this time, I really hope we've seen change. But this realistic side of me that kind of has watched the United States over the last, I don't know, couple of years says, well, I'm going to say 18 months, fuck couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I don't think change for the good is coming. Well, the other thing to mention is like, I'm curious to see how Trump reacts to this because he's reacted to most situations in ways that have been consistent with how he is, but yep. not necessarily what you'd expect. So. I th- he, he, as of right now, he, as of not right now, but um, last I saw, he, he sent a statement saying right. that this is, you know, comes from a source of pure evil. What he does very well to a fault or you can take it either side he plays very well to his party to the people who voted yeah. him in yeah he is there as an advocate for what they believe is right. right i don't believe on all issues that's an advocate of what humans should think is right agree but he's an advocate for his party so whatever say it's a plus say it's a minus depends what side of the coin you're on what side of the aisle you're on uh but 
do I really think they're going to tighten up gun laws and between when this just happened and when this podcast gets released? Fuck no. No. Crazy, man. Got to like find a way to make this end on a positive note. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm not trying to produce a podcast. Okay. <laughs> I just feel you know what? I need I need <laughs> I need a producer evidently with your with your ability. Oh, it's so it's just so well, heavy though. It it's it. just it, so it was, heavy yeah, though. Was like- and and I think more than ever and I talked to Akil about this when he was on and and I talked to a couple others about this since I think that it's evident that Shit's not worked out, and we may have been in a pocket of ignorance eight years ago where we're like, yeah, the economy's taking a bit of a gut punch, but shit's all worked out. We're fine. We're good to each other. Shit isn't worked out. You, no. We got to be here for each other. We got to be here to learn more and improve ourselves. And you can't drag your heels and and hold on to old ideals. Yeah. Because we're in we're in an age where everyone like I was talking to my my mom the other day. She's never been to Europe, and I so desperately am trying to encourage her to take a trip with right. me. And I'm like, you realize first how big the world is. When you travel, you realize that there are other ways of doing things and other ways that are great to know about and learn. But then you realize how small the world is in the fact that I slept in my bed last night and now I'm standing at the foot of the Eiffel Tower. Right? Right. This is the world we live in and we have never been in such a privileged state. We were a hundred years ago afraid of getting the flu. That's what we were dying from. Fucking smarten up people. Like grasp what we have. It's amazing. And so just spend a little bit of time, grab onto a great storyteller, listen and read and see the things that they have produced, learn different perspectives, see it through someone else's eyes, because this world is fucking awesome and we, you don't want to miss it. We only get one shot at this. I can't top that. Right? You can't what? I can't top that. You can't, you can totally top that. No, I can't. What I'm curious, this is changing definitely the vein. NBA season's coming up. Oh gosh. This is how we know each other. <laughs> this is not a sports podcast, but for all those who see that the NBA starts this week and the week this is being released and see your name beside it, they're going to expect at least one line about the NBA. Your honestly, thoughts of honestly, what we're entering. Honestly, this is like had this has been the best off season ever. Ooh, like I would talk to you every week and be like, "Oh my gosh, I wish we had a show this week because <laughs> so much stuff happened." I mean, like trades, free agency moves, like the protest, Trump and LeBron. Like, so oh, many Trump things. and that's amazing. Yeah, like there's so many things that have it's happened. Amazing, lots of change, lots of big players changing places. So I think um, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be interesting. Is there? A, a real powerhouse you see emerging in the East because Boston, I thought for a second was kind of pulling up and then they made some moves where it's like, maybe you're going to be the same. I think Boston's going to be good, but I think Cleveland's still the team to beat. I yeah. think LeBron James is still, at least on Eastern Conference, the best player in, he's the best player in the NBA. Yeah. And I think adding Dwayne Wade is going to help. I think they're, they're good. The question is, is it going to be, is it going to be a two team race and everyone else behind? Right. My big concern about the Raptors is just like how they're going to be in the playoffs. As they begin the regular season, how they're going to be in the playoffs. That's the key. I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's lots of, a lot of the good players left used to go to the West. So it's going to be really tight. Golden State, they're still the favorites, but it's going <laughs> to be exciting. They're stupid good. I'm Who, really curious about, though, that um, Adam Silver um, basically sent out a memo to the team saying, no protest. Like, we I don't want teams protesting. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because the NBA has always been the most progressive league. But for them to say, like, don't do anything is kind of interesting. So I'm curious to see if anyone's going to, like, take a knee or 
doing that stuff. SNL, I'm not going to repeat it, but SNL came back. <laughs> Michael uh, the news, yeah. <laughs> came back with, I believe this is 42nd season, opened up this past weekend right before we are uh, uh, recording this. And they went in on, Michael Che had something to say yeah. about Commissioner Adam Silver, and I thought it was pretty damn funny. So check that out. If I'm having a hard SNL night, like they're, I'm just not vibing. You know what's I funny fast if you forward. Think about it? It's like the way like TV's changed, and not to have another conversation, but like, you know, we're, you know, political humor, you know, like all that stuff is, and that's kind of what it was where like, mm-hmm. you know, like the Dave Stewart's and the Colbert's and stuff. And now it's like, that's what they should try and embrace because the skits aren't funny. Really? The writing's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> You're hesitating like you're defending them. It's like, there's nothing uh, to I want to, I think, this is what I think about SNL. I think it's an institution of in the US that needs to be preserved because it is the last variety show on the air, right? Yeah. Where you right. have, you have skits, you have comedy, yeah. you have, you can kind of call that weekend update almost stand up, right? Right, where it's kind of yep. one yeah. off any of music. Yeah, you're right. Right, so it it is a it is a variety show that I believe is an institution that can't leave. I don't want it to leave. Right. I do say that I laugh less during the skits I think, than I, I do at weekend update. I think update. the cultural relevance of SNL has changed greatly. Greatly because I think when we were younger, you made it if you were on SNL. Yeah. Or if someone, this person was going to be hosting, it's like, I have to tune in. Now it's kind of like, oh, let me see the good parts online. It's like an award sure. show in a sense where like, I don't watch award shows anymore. It's like if something could happen, <laughs> I know it's going to show up online. <laughs> and I don't then I'll see it, it there. Thank right. you very much. Because I mean, like, yeah, you have to sit through because when SNL was declining, I'd be sitting through, oh, this person's hosting. I want to see it. I want to see the skits are on. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. I often. In the sports world, because you work Saturday nights, you kind of give up your weekend. It always gets DVR'd, and so that's how, in the last two years, I've gotten used you watch to the whole thing. Though watching generally, I will say way more often than not. I'd say probably eighty, eighty-five percent of the time, just because I want to see. Now i I want to see how it unfolds. Now I know when a skit loses my interest when I start surfing on my phone. Right, that happens. Right, it grabs my interest, but. Yeah, I'll watch the whole thing. That's good. No. Straight through. That's why it's important to you. JC it. was uh, the host, or was the musical guest on the weekend. Right. Always nice to see him. I am. He is my entryway into hip hop and rap. So I'm always really interested it's to see. It's, where a, it's, he, a, it's that that touch point we talked about, right? Like, where is it for you, right? Jay Z. Yeah. Like he was. I, if I want Jay Z sucks, it's like, yo, JB was it? Jay Z was it for you for hip hop? Like, he's the reason why I got into and it. And I get when some people say he sold out and we went to whatever, 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 but he was my touch point. Exactly. exactly. He's what got me into this whole world that I didn't know about before <laughs> that, again, I'm going to say, this is a perfect way to end it. <laughs> Find things that you don't know about and just fucking learn them. Just figure it out. Just become educated. You know, the greatest thing I have, I feel in my life is that I have this desire to never stop learning. And if that means that I start in one industry and then I've got to go back to writing like you did and then develop in a different industry, hey man, I got my brain, I got my ability to work and I got my ability to learn. 100% man. Right? Yeah. Dwayne Watson, the pleasure. This is such a quality conversation and I feel that we could do part two and part three and part four and part seven. We can have as many parts to this podcast with you as there are parts to Star Wars. So if you ever want to come back, hey, I love please to. do. Uh, before you leave, Hangout is coming back. The Give it some rest. How, back. how when, where? Oh man, it's weekly. 
Still figuring stuff, stuff out. Yeah, so yeah, you can really understand the stuff, but yeah, yeah, weekly, um, you know, conversations, live spirited, passionate conversation about basketball and NBA TV with the Kill Augustine. NBA Excel is coming back this year, which is Exciting. basically like inside stuff, like you know, stories. Like yeah. that's what I'm really excited about, just doing different stories. And are you working I'm, on the NBA Excel? I'm involved. Team? In, yeah, I'm involved. You're in involved. Yeah. yeah, definitely details, baby. Of course, but I'm helping out. And then like everything else, you know me, just basketball. Period. At Dwayne Watson on Twitter. At Dwayne underscore Watson on Instagram. It's the same, my friend. Oh, at Dwayne Watson on Instagram. Everywhere. Thank you so much for your time. And please be good to yourself and eat your vegetables. (laughs) 